0: Hello and welcome to the Anchor Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Rock Harbor Church. We want to help guide and grow you in your walk with the Lord by providing an in-depth study of God's Word with our Wednesday evening Bible studies here in this podcast. So please grab your Bibles and let's set a course for spiritual maturity. Here's Pastor Brandon with this week's lesson.
1: No, okay, so let's start with the names of uh, Halal Ben-Shakar. And the most common name that he goes by is Satan. And means the adversary or resistor, which emphasizes him being the leader of the, the rival kingdom to the kingdom of God. So as the adversary or resistor, he not only resists God, but he's also going to resist the believer and the efforts of believers. And so one of the things you'll see in your life is that when you decide that you're going to serve God, and that you're going to do something for God, He will resist that. And you will get opposition. So, a lot of times when people uh, want to figure out, well, am I doing the will of God? The first thing I will ask them is, are you getting any opposition? Okay? Because if you don't, then that's a sign that you're probably not in the will of God. It shouldn't be that easy to serve God. It actually will be hard to serve God. And you will have a lot of distractions, a lot of hindrances, a lot of problems in order to do that. And that might even occur on a Saturday night as you're getting ready to teach a, a, a Bible study uh, that, uh, you'll have problems Sunday, Saturday night. You may not be able to sleep. You may have problems with your car. You may have problems with your electronics. I will say this. One of the big things that they like to go after is electronics. They affect our electronics constantly on Sunday mornings, constantly. We're having problems and it's an ongoing issue and it's not human error. It's typically our electronics don't work and there's no apparent reason why they don't, but it's a typical thing. It's been doing, they've been doing that uh, with us for ever since we started. So your electronics will go haywire a lot of times. They won't work. Something won't work that used to work. And, uh, you can actually start, they'll, they'll make you get into fights or not make you, but lead you into a fight, uh, with a spouse or with somebody, uh, even on a Sunday morning, they'll grump you up enough to get into some type of argument, which ruins you for the day. And so what they, what they're doing is resisting you, um, at as the satan and his followers obviously are resisting you. So. When you're wanting to do something, even in your own life, and you say, "Hey, I want to be in the will of God. I want to. um, We want to move to uh, Timbuktu. We want to go here. I want to change jobs. I don't care what it is. I I want to do this. I want to do that with my life." And you know, here's the thing: a lot of people will say, "Well, I feel the peace of God." I, I, I don't know what scripture you're using. Okay. I don't know what you mean by that. Because the peace of God that passes all understanding is meant for a different context than you finding the will of God. Okay. The peace of God means I'm content. Okay. So that promise is that you're content with your life. The peace of God that passes all understanding it doesn't have to do with finding peace when you think you have found the will of God. You're using that out of context. And this is important because in spiritual warfare, Satan will give you a counterfeit peace and the way he will give you a give you a counterfeit peace is that he will make things go very smooth for you and you will mistake that as God making it smooth for you when it's actually Satan who's greasing the tracks. Because when Jonah wanted to run from God, get out of the will of God, Satan made it very easy for Jonah to do this. He went down the Joppa, found a crew of, uh, of, of heathens that didn't care who he was, wouldn't hold him accountable, had enough money in his pocket to pay enough for the, get the, to get the fare. The ship was heading in the right direction, away from Israel. And again, he's so content that everything worked well that he actually fell asleep on the boat. Now, when you see him fall asleep on the boat, you might think, well, what's the big deal? He fell asleep. It shows you how safe and secure he thought he was from from doing what he wanted, didn't want to do that. He could actually sleep. See, when you're running from God, it will be very difficult to sleep. It'll be very difficult to have a settled spirit you'll have a lot of angst in you he didn't have any angst it, it, it just everything flowed when he did what he did okay so my thing about this in discovering the will of god you should expect that if you're following the will of god on a decision that you will get opposition or hindrances it won't be that easy now you'll have to work through those hindrances and and jump over the uh you know the barricades and you're going to have to jump through the hoops and, and that's okay as long as sh- that, you re- recognize that's not, that's not coming from God. That's coming from Satan, not wanting you to go forward, not wanting you to make the move. And so this is a big thing in understanding the will of God because the mistake is, well, it happened so easy, it was a God thing. No. Anything we do as a church, I can tell you from the staff level, is like a nightmare to work through no joke man i mean i i, I we've been trying to get our server up um f- almost 2 months now because i want to run our our videos on our uh our uh our own platform i want to get off of these other platforms i'll still stay on them i guess but i i i want our unedited versions on our own platform which will be on rockharborchurch.net so we had to pay big bucks to get this built they promised us 6 weeks we're now going on eight weeks and then today I had a fiasco at at my office with the server and spectrum and yesterday had another fiasco with them and my point about this is we're trying to do something good right making sure that we're not edited but guess what Satan does he has delayed this he has made people make errors they've had problems electronically with things and I'm here on on week 8 and I still don't have my server server up for our videos that's just an example now we'll get there but what what's the point you have to push through the hindrances you have to just keep going you have to you have to just be like a bull and just charge ahead even though you know this is the right thing to do this is why you're getting delayed this is why the the guy at spectrum doesn't have a clue how he set up the IP address and Grapevine had to come in and fix it, and it took the, half a the day to do it. Now, what's the point? That's a hindrance, because what, are they, what does Satan want to do? He doesn't want us edited, or, or going out there unedited. He doesn't want the full Monty out there. He would prefer us to be on Rumble and Vimeo so we can get taken down. So, I just tell you that, just like everything we do. I mean, it's whether even scheduling a, a, a Taco Man uh, lunch, whatever. We'll have problems. It's crazy. But after a while, when you're in ministry, you get used to it, that everything you do will have opposition. Opposition from people, opposition from outside people, opposition from the inside. It's just crazy. But it happens. Now, one of the oppositions that you have to be aware of is from people you know. What do you mean? Well, when Satan is trying to resist you, he will resist you with someone you know that's close to you. And what he'll do is work in that person's weakness to come against you. Does that ring a bell? Okay. So say this person has a weakness of pride or whatever. They're pig-headed, they're stubborn, self-willed, whatever it might be. Satan will use that weakness and capitalize on that person, instigate something through that person to you, to stop you, to make you doubt to make you doubt what you're doing, to 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 maybe uh, rethink about, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And that person will then attack you personally through their weakness. So what you have to start seeing is that's not necessarily coming from the person. It is, but it's also coming from a, a creature that's instigating it through the person's weakness. That's why it's so important to be mature because the more mature you are the less you can be used by Satan the more immature you are the more potholes you have and the more they get a foothold in those areas and the way that that's what they use against mature believers and them as well so they use immaturity to discourage believers mature believers that's how they do it that's how the game is being played in order to resist you to make it hard and so well, what it well, how does how is the game played? When you're being resisted, what do you have to do? Push on ahead. No matter how much opposition you're getting, you have to keep pushing. Satan can resist you. He can't stop you. If God's called you to do something, just keep doing it because he can't stop the call. Only you can stop the call. Only you. So if you let him discourage you enough and trip you up enough, and put more time in your your ball game, and more delays, and even get you to be, get worn out by the process of, of resisting. Then he's won. So what you have to do is out resist. You have to what resist the devil, and he will flee. So you have to resist his resisting. Does that make sense? I know it sounds counterintuitive, but you have to resist the opposition by just plunging ahead. I don't care we'll get it done we'll get it done okay we're we're backed up a week okay we're still going to do it Uh, whatever you have to just keep pushing through otherwise you'll fall prey to the resisting that he's doing on you yeah i mean you just you just if you believe god called you to do it then do it despite the opposition watch what happens if you push through it um you'll get to the other side you'll see that you'll see the blessing but Satan is being allowed to resist you because then God on his side is testing you. And he's testing you to say, will you push through the opposition I put in front of you? How bad do you want to do my will is what God will say. How bad do you want it? Are you will you push through these little hindrances? You got delayed. You got an idiot making fun of you out there on YouTube land. Or you got someone in your family that's resisting you because they're a knucklehead and Satan's using them against you. Can you, can you handle that? You see, that's, that's the test. Because if you believe God called you to do something, then you will push through the fire. And you have to, that's just a little pointer about how Satan does things. Okay two now we go into the second term is the devil now you're very familiar with this but basically devil means accuser or slanderer or the one who trips up which refers to him being one who defames god and believers so part of what satan is going to do is do everything he can to defame god and let me explain that before i talk about defaming believers in order to defame God, the reason he's defaming God, obviously he hates God. He hates Jesus, he hates the Holy Spirit, he hates the Father. But he then tries to defame God to people. And what he does is inject lies into their heads about God, who God is, who his character is, and his nature. And what he tries to convince people of is that God really is either um, much like them in their thinking, or that he is a goading grandfather that really doesn't hold anyone accountable for what they do. What they do. That, yes, he is all loving, but then they take, he takes and removes all justice away from God. All righteousness from God. And, and so he'll pervert uh, and defame God to other people to get them to think wrong about God. And then what he does with uh, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, what he did to us when we were very young. And this is one of the things you probably may not. I don't know. it's, It's hard to grasp, but probably from the moment you were born, you were assigned a demon that watched you. And you currently have a demon that's watching you. They're a watcher. These demons know everything about you. They probably know us better than we know ourselves. And they figure out what our weaknesses are. Now, just as you have a guardian angel assigned to you, I'm sure Satan has enough demons to assign them to you and to watch you. So what happens on this is the demon then plays tricks on you when you're young. And he tries to defame God to you when you're young. So through your experiences in life, through your pain, through your trauma, through any, whatever you went through, he will inject lies into your head about God and who God is. So if you had some type of trauma and, and the, one of the, the biggest lies, he says, well, see, God's not there for you, he must not care for you. You've got to do things on your own. Or he'll slip into the idea of, uh, you see what, what you did? I can't believe you did all that. You ought to be ashamed for what you did. You ought to be embarrassed to show your face. You better hide the rest of your life based on what you did as a young person. And that's kind of a shame thing, right? And and there, Or another one is... Um you're so great you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. I can't even believe uh that you know your parents are so lucky to have you. You're a wonder kind. You're something great and what that does is the person is prideful and they think they're all that in a in a box of chips or a bag of chips or whatever it is. Um it's a bag of chips, right? Okay. And and the person is has a big head and they think there's something then when they're really not, and so he either causes, either causes massive pride in the person, or he causes massive. Um, what do you want to talk? Uh, worm theology, I guess. That massive uh, self hatred, massive shame. So he either is going to make you feel ashamed for who you are. Or make you prideful for who you are He'll, he'll in the prideful thing. Oh, look at these great skills you have. Look what you're able to do. Isn't this wonderful? Um, that's that's all you, man. And you need to make yourself something out of this life versus understanding that all those gifts and talents came from God and using them for his service. Satan will tempt you to use them for your service. That's what he'll do. And so either one typically becomes the polar opposite. I'll make you completely ashamed of who you are. I'll make you completely prideful of who you are. And both both aspects kill uh, the the individual. Okay, so he defames God to people, then he defames believers. Okay, so how does he defame a believer? Well, one of the things that he'll do to defame you is actually point out things from your past that you did and bring you down on the, those things, um, you, you've been forgiven, you've been redeemed, but what he wants to remind you of is your past. And he wants to keep playing that record over and over again of what you went through or who you are or what you did. And he defames you that way because if he can do that to you and he can convince you of how you used to be that then he he robs and steals your identity in christ and then you end up believing that you're still the same person you were in high school that you haven't grown you haven't matured you're you're still the same person and there might be tendencies still left in you that that he will use to remind you of that But those are tendencies, those are wounds, those are scars. You're a new creation in Christ, and that's what he doesn't want you to understand. He wants you to understand that you're the old person, you've not changed, you're the same thing. And um, with that being said, that's how he defames you. The other way he defames you is he will tempt you into sin to get involved in something, and then even though you, you confess it and repent of it, he will use that against you and say, you see, you're no good. You shouldn't even serve. Don't even try to serve. You just need to, to shut your mouth and stay in the back seat and don't do anything because you could possibly do this again and you will be a hypocrite. So don't do anything. Don't serve. That's the main thing he does to a lot of believers. He puts them out of commission uh, because he has defamed them. They, they think wrongly about themselves. Uh, everyone struggles. Everyone make, uh, commits sin. But the issue is, if you confess those sins and you repent, then you're still in fellowship now and you're good to serve unless you have a problem that you can't get out of, right? And that would be, you know, you need to take a season or time off until you get the problem resolved. The other thing uh, about defaming you is to have other believers defame you. Other believers or even unbelievers try to destroy your reputation. This is a sinister game, but the, what 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 he does then is he uses these people to make false accusations against you that are not true. And 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 unless you really are, but usually what I see typically is when someone is slandering somebody, and that's the definition of slander, is they make stuff up about the person. And they will they will grossly, grossly lie about the person in order to defame that individual and so what happens is the person gets hurt by that and it gets hurt so bad that they don't even want to be around people anymore because it's so painful to deal with someone who just flat-out lies about you and and what what Satan would do through that is not only defame you but use that to shut you down and make you go away and so the tendency is when we get defamed we withdraw we withdraw from the circle of community and the body of Christ. We withdraw from coworkers. We withdraw when someone's attacking our reputation. Believe it or not, some people are good enough to attack your reputation so good that they actually make you believe their attack. And so the person actually starts, uh, believing what's being told about them. It's kind of like a, a, a technique that if someone keeps telling you, you're crazy, you're crazy. You're crazy year after year after year after year. You know what starts, starts happening? The person says, I think I'm crazy. They really do. Because if you just say a lie long enough and big enough, actually it works on the person over and over again to where they finally uh, will succumb to it in order just to whatever, get along or become a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so some some people are very good at this. And they're master manipulators and they can convince somebody that they're, they're, they're crazy or they've got some issue or whatever. And the person really doesn't. Um, but they use the tongue to do it. When they use the tongue to do it, it's a forked tongue because that's how Satan defames you. He makes lies up against you. Um, so anyway, that's that aspect of the devil. That's why he's called that. Let's go to Bilal. Bilal. Um the, the term is used as worthless, which obviously refers to God's view of him now. Uh God's view of Satan is that he's worthless. And so this is where Paul was talking about uh, you know, you can't be unequally yoked, you can't light and darkness don't have anything together, and he says Bilal. Uh Um, doesn't have anything to do with Christ, and talking about Satan being worthless. Okay, so in this name, this is how God views him. He, He is of no value to God now, because he's so corrupted, he's so evil, he is of no value. Okay, so that's a statement of fact. The problem is, people don't believe that he's worthless. The people in our world, not that they're full-blown Satan worshipers, but they believe that what he offers through his world system is worth something. Okay? So you have to, you have to understand that people are not full-blown Satanists, but when they love this world, it is his world, the his cosmos. It is his organization that's running currently right now. It's it, And because of that, when people fall in love with the world, they fall in love with the things that are worthless because the one behind it is worthless. So worldliness. May feel like you're getting something, but you're actually not. It's a counterfeit. So right now people think they're getting peace and safety. Um, by following along with the government, it is worthless. It is not a real peace and safety or people, you know, whatever they, they, they feel that, um, if they just cave in to something and do what someone wants them to do in their personal lives, then they'll get what they want. And it, it it's, it's not, it's worthless. It's fake. And that's how people do in their relationships. They barter for things with other people in their relationships, especially in marriage relationships. They'll barter. If I do this for you, then uh, you do this for me. That's a bartering system. And if it's a worldly thing that they want, then they're bartering with worthless things, even in the relationship. And it obviously makes for a worthless bargaining chip. Uh, people will do it. Um, and unfortunately it lends, it lends itself into what we call a contractual relationship based on worthless items. I'll be nice to you if you buy me a car or something like that, you know, um, whatever it might be, if you buy me a mink stole, uh, I'll be nice to you or whatever people even, I don't even know people wear mink stoles anymore. Um, at least not in Bakersfield. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, there's a bargaining thing with worthless items. I'll be nice to you if we, we we get a bigger house or something like that or whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you're bargaining with worthless items. That's It's worthless because you're not taking it with you. Anyway, that's where the idea of Bilal comes from. Okay, Beelzebub. Um, this is another name for Satan. Um, it originates from the word Baal Zavuv, Baal Zavuv, um, which means Lord of the Flies. Okay. Be, Baal Zavuv means, obviously it's a connection to Baal, right? But ba- are you, are you pronounce it Baal, however you want to pronounce it, um, It's probably, it's probably, being the Hebrew context, it's probably Baal. Uh, But a lot of us just in English say Baal. But anyway, um, it means Lord of the Flies. The original Philistine name uh, was for a god um, called Beelzebul, meaning it meant that he was Lord of the royal palace. But what ended up happening is the rabbis never accepted Beelzebul And so they changed his name to Beelzebub to poke fun at him. And so this name got put on Satan. Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. Okay, so with this name, this is a curious name because it's, so basically, a lot of times when you saw Baal worship in the Old Testament, Yeah, they called it a different god, this, that, whatever. But the Baals were prominent through the Mediterranean Fertile Crescent region. So whatever, wherever you lived, you worshiped a certain Baal. Baal means just Lord. That's all it means. Okay, and uh, you worship that whatever god. But basically, what they were worshiping, the Baals, were demons or even Satan himself. That's basically what they were worshiping. But they called these demons Baals. Well, anyway, um, Lord of the Flies is, is, is Beelzebub. And again, it's a mocking term that's used on Satan. Okay, the rabbis did this. Okay, that being said, where does this go as far as spiritual warfare and understanding um, the, the title or the name Beelzebub? Well, it's this. The way Satan comes to people is not through himself being revealed, but he hides himself through a foreign deity. That's where Baal comes from. They they thought this was another god, but it wasn't a god. It's actually a demon or Satan. So what Satan does because there's only one true god he impersonates uh these deities in these cultures and in these, in these religions and he pretends to be their god or these demons pretend to be their god so the 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 mormon god is nothing but a demon or fallen angel right the islamic god allah is the moon god but it is either a demon or Satan. It's, it's our fallen angel. Um, any false religions, Hinduism, Confucius, Confucianism, Taoism, all these false religions are originated from a demon who pretends to be that God. And I know in Buddhism, they're atheists and stuff, but they 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 revere Buddha, Buddha, like he's a God. So Buddha is really, really a demon. He is another Baal basically. So, it's a, the art of deception. So, right now, in America, what is replacing Christianity is called scientism. The Baal behind scientism is Darwinian evolution and spiritual evolution. And they have their high priests and they make their sacrifices and things of that, la- of that nature. But, um, we have a Baal now running America, basically. We have a high ranking demon or fallen angel. Uh, that's high, very high ranking. That's running the religion in America. That's what's replacing Christianity. We're, we are being replaced, and I think you're aware of this. And it and includes wokeism. Includes the vaccines thing. Includes all the stuff that you see going on in the government. and includes the the hyper scientism. That sci- scientism, not sci- not science or or math or scientism that the technocrats are always right okay the technocrats are the new baals in america okay and that's what's taking over that's what people worship they're worshiping the technocrats and the technocrats tell you what to believe they tell you you know how faithful you are they tell you you know if you're pure or not pure based on you know, the, the the standard tests that they give out of uh ESG scores, wokeism, e- equity, social justice, all that stuff right there. That's another baal. So when you see Beelzebub, that's what we have going on in America. We have a Beelzebub going on in America. Really it's it's Satan. Um or a demon or fallen angel. Okay, let's go to uh Satan's titles then. Halel Ben Shachar is his real name, which means day star, son of the morning. It's not Lucifer. That's a Latin translation of, but it's, it's a Hebrew name is Halel Ben Shachar. And he is it means day star, son of the morning. Halel, day star, Ben Shachar is son of the morning. And the word Ben is means son in Hebrew, right? So you can see the son of the morning. So basically, he's known as the shining one because he is covered with precious stones and can appear as an angel of light. So with that being said, then what is the one of the tactics he will lo- use as this day star, son of the morning? Well, as you can see, he, he, because he's the shining one, he typically uses things that attract. So in the Garden of Eden, he used what we call the nakash, and the Nakash was not originally what we know as a serpent. The Nakash was a um, um, an animal that was either a quadruped or a biped and had the ability to talk. And Satan basically used the, the vocal cords of the Nakash to speak through the Nakash to Adam and Eve. So he possessed the Nakash. And so uh, it's not beyond... uh uh, are thinking to know some of these animals had the ability to speak. Uh, we have even parrots that can mimic human voices. We have other animals that can are very good in communication. So what it leads one to say is that at least in the Nakash and maybe several other types of animals had the ability to somewhat communicate with human beings at the time um, of Adam and Eve. Now we'll we'll see that in the millennium of which animals had the ability to speak um but the nakash definitely did okay because when someone is possessed even today the demons use the vocal cords of the human being to speak through so they'll use it they'll change it they'll they'll uh they'll change it, it, it like a woman will have a real deep man voice when she's possessed and it, it, it the frequency changes, the tone changes, everything changes, but it's still using the vocal cords of the individual. Well, the same is true with a nakash. The nakash's vocal cords were used by Satan to speak to Adam and Eve. And she didn't think it was, neither of them thought it was abnormal that the serpent or or the nakash was talking to them. So it appears that Satan used an animal that, that they were familiar with, But one thing about the animal, and I want to point this out, is that its skin had a luminescent feature to it. Nakash means shining one. So the day star, son of the morning, who is the shining one, used an animal who is called the shining one. So apparently the skin or whatever the texture of the, the animal's skin was, of the Nakash, it shined, had a luminescent feature about it. So it was very attractive in that regard. And so um, that's what Satan used. Okay, what's the spiritual lesson in that? Satan uses the best to get at people. He used the best animal he could find to tempt Adam and Eve, okay? And it was the Nakash. So the serpent today doesn't look like the Nakash did, it's been cursed, so when you see a snake, that's some vestiges of the Nakash are there, especially with the the shining of the skin of the snake but it's lost a lot of its other features because of the cursing of it, but it was the most uh beautiful animal it was the 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 top animal, it was the most intelligent animal by the way, that God had created. And so Satan used that to tempt Adam and Eve. Okay, so what's the crossover? The crossover is this. Halil bin Shakar will then, in his warfare to you, use the best against you. Not, Not the worst, not second best. He will always use the best against you. What do you mean? The best temptation. He will use the best temptation. He will not throw anything in front of you that will not elicit a response. Okay? He's not going to waste his time. So he's going to throw up the best. The best is whatever gets you. That's what he does. It can include beautiful people. It can include beautiful materialistic objects. It could include the best feelings that one could elicit. So with, with uh, or uh, the best positions in in in, in culture, the, the best money, the best everything. He's always going to throw in front of you something that's very appealing to you. OK, so if you go to the temptation that he did with with Messiah, what did he throw in front of him? Okay so he's he's 40 days fasting the best thing at that period of time would be a piece of bread right it was the best that that's exactly what would have it elicited a response right he's not going to put something he's not going to respond to like for instance a, a a pig because that wouldn't have been kosher he puts a piece of bread or or says turn the rocks into bread right not turn the rocks into a piece of ham because no Jew would have eaten a piece of ham, right? Okay, so he's not going to put something that's not going to elicit a response, okay? Let's go, go one step further. Um, It shows them all the kingdoms, right? And it is a desire of the Messiah to rule over the kingdoms of this world. It is his desire. It is a right desire. He has a right to do to, to rule them. But what did Satan do? He put the right desire at the wrong time. It is the best he offered, but at the wrong time. Messiah had to go to the cross first in order to be able to um, uh, regain what man had lost through the fall. So w- when you see the, the the temptation of our Lord, Satan was putting up the best. Okay. So let's think for a moment on your personal level. Satan is going to put things in front of you that appeals to your eyes. Okay, the lust of the eyes. He's going to put things in front of you that appeal to the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And he's going to appeal to you in things called the pride of life. In all three areas, he's going to give you the best. So if you struggle with the lust of the eyes, with cars, and you can't hold yourself back from cars, he will put the best car in front of you, not a jalopy, okay? He will put the best car in front of you and say, you deserve that, okay? If you have a problem with lust, he will put the the best good-looking people that actually appeal to you in front of you. The type of person you're, uh, you're, you appeal to, or that appeals to you, he will put them in front of you. He will find out a way to do that. Okay? And this is serious business, because he, like I said, if you have a demon assigned to you from the day you were born, they have been watching you all your life. Do not think they don't know what you, appeals to you. They have seen your actions already. They already know it. They already see what you do. They see where your proclivities are. And then that's when they appeal to you. It could be the pride of life, which means, uh, I seek money, power, position. And my quest in life is to have the most power or, or the highest position. So what, 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 what will they do? Tempt you with higher positions, higher money, higher power. And they will tempt you with the best. But at the same time, in order to get those things, you will have to sacrifice everything else. You will make a deal with them, and you will pay a price for that. You will lose things to try to get what they're offering. He's always putting the best in front of you, not the worst, not the ugliest. He he uh, he knows basically how we tick. And that's that's what makes things very difficult in temptation. Who would be tempted to, 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 to something he puts in front of us that has no appeal to us? It wouldn't, what's the point? He's only going to put things that appeal to you. Abaddon or Apollyon is another term. Abaddon is the, the Hebrew word and Apollyon is the Greek word, but it basically means the destroyer in English because he destroys both physical and spiritual life. Now, in, as far as, uh, how he comes about things, um, you know, you can see it on a societal level, America's being destroyed. We know why it's being destroyed, but he is behind it, right? He is behind the destruction of America because he's trying to get a global system in order to hand over to the, his son, the antichrist. And so the destroyer is working overtime in America. America is being destroyed right, right now, right now. We're in the most dangerous period of history we have ever been in in U.S. history um, because we're watching our country be destroyed from within. And no no one's stopping it, nothing's stopping it. But behind it is the destroyer. When you see destructive things, know that it's just it's the destroyer. Now, the interesting thing about Satan is remember, you and I have an ability to create uh, secondarily. We take what God has created out of nothing and we can actually form and shape and create things, right? Like houses and build cars and we as humans can build things and and manufacture things from the creation that God made. Satan and his demons and fallen angels do not possess this ability. Therefore, when you want to see Satan's activity through people. Everything they touch, they will destroy. Because they, they, there's no creative ability on the dark side. There's no creative ability. They, they, angels don't create anything. It's not a gift that God gave them. They have other gifts, but even, the, but even the best angels, Michael has never created a car, right? The sword that Michael wields came from God. It doesn't come from Michael wielding a sword, so angels and, and fallen angels don't create anything, and that includes uh, Halil Ben Shachar. He can't create anything. What he does, though, is destroy what God creates. So, when you want to see somebody like a mayor of a town, if you want to see who's working through that mayor, look at the city and see what's happening is that city being built up or is the city being destroyed okay like portland seattle new york l.a san francisco chicago detroit atlanta all these big places that the mayors are running are just being destroyed right now as we speak because the individuals don't even realize it maybe they do i don't know i doubt it but they they are being controlled by satan and all he does is destroy things okay so you can see bits and pieces here in bakersfield that that our city council doesn't know how to run things our school boards don't know how to run things and 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 it's like every decision they make destroys it doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce anything of any value. They think it's helpful, but it's not. And it actually, as you look at the ramifications of decisions they make, it hurts more people than it helps. That's a destructive mentality. But you only get that from Satan, of being a Abaddon or a polyon. So now let's bring it down to a more a more personal level. In your family you will have an Abaddon or a Apollyon individual or multiple individuals and that person is being used by Satan to destroy your family okay it could be someone that married outside the family and brought someone in and that person gets brought in and they destroy the family Right? they tear up Jack because the person is divisive they're crazy and all that stuff and whatever and so Someone marries, brings someone in, and it destroys the family. It's an Abaddon. It's a Napoleon. Whether it's a believer or not, it doesn't matter. If you see an individual move into a family and it destroys the family, then you know what's working behind that. And again, I'm not trying to super spiritualize anything because people are are knuckleheads, but what's driving the knucklehead? You can't discount the, the spiritual war that's going on in the knucklehead. Because what does Satan do? He wants to destroy the nuclear family. The way he does it is he gets the weaknesses of the knuckleheads and he brings the knucklehead into your circle and then that knucklehead destroys everything. Creates chaos, right? Confusion. And you might say, well, my family was fine until they this my my so-and-so, uh, my nephew or whatever got married and brought this girl in here and she's teared up Jack ever since. Right? It's, it's stuff like that. It's a very common thing. And, um, obviously the discernment of people who they marry, it's all messed up a lot of times. And they will bring in the wrong person. And it, that person has the potential of destroying the family because of a polygon or a badin'. Now, on a personal level, if the person personally makes choices in their life that is destructive, that always sends them down the wrong path, creates massive consequences for their life then many times they're being influenced by apollyon or a Baden to make those decisions now they're making the decisions please understand they're responsible for their decision we're not you know the flip wilson the devil made me do it okay we're not doing that but can they influence a person to make bad decisions of course of course they can they did it to peter You're not going to go to the cross. Get behind me, Satan, right? So the idea is I will influence this person to destroy themselves. And so the decisions they make are a constant barrage of one bad decision after another. Now, let me ask you this question. You keep making bad decisions. Where does it end up taking you? See, there's like a snowball effect that starts happening. Satan knows this that if you compound one bad decision over another bad decision over another bad decision, it creates a snowball effect and that the problems start getting exponential and it starts rolling and rolling. And it's so big that the person reaches the point of no return. That's what he's hoping to accomplish by making bad decisions that the person will reach the point of no return. Now, let me ask you this, have you seen people that have made that and have reached a point of no return and doesn't appear like they're going to come back from this. Yeah, you have. Now, I'm not saying God can't rescue them. I'm not, uh, uh, but they have to be willing to be rescued, right? He's not going to force anyone against their will. They have to come to them senses and realize, okay, I need to get back on the right track. But what Satan's goal is Just to get them so derailed, so messed up that they don't come back, that it will take a miracle to dig themselves out of that pit. Can miracles happen? Of course they can. But again, I'm talking about the strategy of Satan. What he's getting them to do? Make constant bad decisions that destroy their lives. And we see that all the time. All the time. Let's go to the next one. The prince of this world, or the world, we talk about the cosmos in the Greek. The the world or the cosmos is basically Satan's counterpart to God's kingdom and rule. It's a counterfeit kingdom, basically. Um, It's a reference to him carrying out his fifth, I will to be like God and carry out his counterfeit program. So right now, what you're seeing in our world, seen in America, seen everywhere is the counterfeit kingdom. The counterfeit kingdom is opposed to God. The counterfeit kingdom is a 180 from God. It always does the opposite. So, um, God wants people to be free. They want people to be slaves. God wants people to be moral. The counterfeit kingdom wants people to be immoral. And it's always like that, right and And so what's happening uh, is this counterfeit kingdom is actually taking control of the entire world as God is allowing it. Um, but anyway, the prince of this world, he is the prince, he is the one who controls it. so here's my question: How did he become the prince of this world? you remember? He usurped somebody. He usurped Adam. The temptation for Adam and Eve, it, yeah, it was to it started with Eve, but it was to get to Adam. Adam was the king, the king over humanity. He was our original king, and what happened was w- w- get, he used Eve to get to Adam because he knew he couldn't go one-on-one with Adam. Why? There's something going on here. It has to do with why women can't be a pastor. Go what? Yes. What else could it be? If you read, um, um, so if you read what Paul warned about Timothy and he's talking about, um, obviously, you know, not letting a woman be a senior pastor, which is becoming a problem for today. Um, in mo- most churches, they're just ignoring this passage apparently, but I want, I want to read it so you can hear the Genesis account in it. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. So he says in verse 11 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. What he's talking about is that she can't have authority as a pastor does, and she can't teach to a mixed multitude um, of women and men, because in doing so, she would exert authority over a man by instructing now it doesn't mean a woman can't get up here and and uh, uh, be prophetic like Jan markell or michelle bachman or any of these other women that are actually being prophetic because you can allow uh, women to pray and prophesy in the church first corinthians chapter 11 is your passage for that because paul's allowing women to prophesy and pray in corinth okay so they can do other things but they can't exposit a text is his thing and and so with with that being said he gives two reasons for it he goes number one for adam was formed first then eve so it's 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 the primacy of being in creation that adam has that he is the head because he was created first okay that's a creation thing it's not an intelligence thing it's a creation thing second but and and he goes and Adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived fell into transgression Adam was not deceived but the woman was so you see the tactic here I'll use the woman first deceive her to get to her husband what's the problem what's the problem Okay, Because this is not an intelligence thing. I know a lot of people in the, our current society want to argue, well, women back there weren't educated, so they didn't know. It has nothing to do with education. It has nothing to do with education. You can have a PhD. But this is not an intelligence argument. This is not an education argument. It is a creation and temptation argument. The creation argument is what? Adam's created first. That means these is the head. That prevents a woman from being the head, a pastor, or any type of situation in a church. Number two, it was the woman who was deceived, not Adam. That's what Paul says. The second reason is because of the proclivity going on in women. What's the proclivity? Well, that's a penalty for it, because she did act out of charge, and so then her proclivity that God curses her with is that she will want to be in charge for the rest of her life. That will be what she has to fight, and the passivity in a man will have to be what he has to fight his rest of his life. He wants the title, but he doesn't want the responsibility. Right? Because it goes, amen, from the women, right? It's true. You know, there's a famous book, and uh, the famous book was... um, written by a Christian counselor after 30 years of counseling. You know what his title of his book was? Passive Men and Angry Women. <laughs> right? Because of the male passivity and the female wanting the position. And so it's a kind of a, we, men have their own struggle, women have their struggle. But let's get back to this because it goes into the temptations of Prince of the World. So he serves Adam by going through the woman because Paul then says that Eve's deceived, not Adam. So what did Satan know about the woman that he knew Adam he couldn't try on Adam? Adam wasn't deceived. What what's going on in women? There's something that makes them more susceptible for deception. It's the nurturing aspect of the woman. It's the nurturing aspect of the woman. Men are not nurturing. That's not how they're built. Women are built for nurturing. But women's nurturing is their greatest strength, but is their greatest weakness when you're dealing with spiritual warfare. Because in spiritual warfare, It's a non-emotional issue that gets you out of the situation. It's emotion. That's what gets you tempted. It's emotion that, that gets you suckered into things. And I'm not saying men don't get suckered emotionally because men can be tempted as well, but they're less likely to be tempted by emotional arguments. And hence, when you're given a false narrative, what do you have to do in the false narrative? Cause you can't give facts and evidence. What do you have to give in a false narrative? Lies. lies and those lies have to be surrounded with emotion. So when you see the left make their arguments, they give emotional arguments. They don't give facts and evidence, right? They give emotional arguments. When they say, you being unvaccinated, you're going to kill everybody. That's an emotional argument because you come back and say, well, the facts and evidence say this. You don't care. You're going to kill grandma. Don't even come for Christmas. You're going to kill grandma, right? It's an emotional argument. So these leftists know how to argue. They actually argue like Satan. They argue emotionally. And that, that, that emotion works. So guess who one of the biggest populations of leftism is women, particularly highly educated millennial women. Wait a second. Did you hear what I just said? Highly educated women. Millennials. Except AOC, right? She's dumber than a box of rocks, right? But, but what's the connection? Why did I, why, I mean, highly intelligent. What, what is Paul's argument? Did he say a woman can be a pastor because of what? He didn't say, oh, it's because she doesn't have enough education. You see what I'm saying? It's the highly educated, they're actually the leftists. What's going on there? Why is there a connection with highly educated and and leftism, which is Satanism? What's what's going on there? Too smart for their own britches. Well, number one, the brainwashing that goes on in college is one of the contributing factors, right? And we know that more women go to college than men. That's just the fact. That's, you can't get past the evidence of that. So, But then when the professor gets up there and he's using emotional arguments, guess who's appealing to? Women. Because if he goes into uh, you know, facts and evidence, it turns off the women and, and it turns on the guys. The guys start paying more attention when the guys start giving facts and evidence. But if a professor gets up there and we're, we're doing uh, you know basket weaving and underwater basket weaving to add into that, and uh, whatever it might be, whatever they study now in college, it's just useless now. Some of the stuff they study, um, it's crazy. I, you can't believe people pay money for that stuff and 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 they and so the professors up there making emotional appeals rather than arguments that appeals to them and so the conditions are set in public school and, and in college to create highly educated no common sense highly educated but no common sense so when AOC tells the millennials hey, man, we're just going to tax the rich. And and, and, we'll, we'll, and, and that's going to pay for all your free stuff. They actually believe that argument. Because they never will go past, well, how are you going to pay for that? They won't go there because it's an emotional argument. That sounds right. Right? That's, that's, that's how I want life to be. I want, it, I want life to be fair. I want life to be, okay, but yeah, how are we going to do the fairness? Who's going to pay for that? Well, the rich will. The rich has already figured it out. They're not going to pay. It's the middle class that's going to pay. But they don't go any further than that. My, my point is, on spiritual warfare, if the prince of the world knows how men and women are created, then who's his primary target? He uses women to get to the men. You have to know that. You have to know that. Okay Jay, Jay has uh, verified this in real life, real time. <laughs> That's right. That's why he's single) right? <laughs> You're right. He you, you learned the hard way. it's right. but here's the deal as you can see okay so the object is to get to the guy but he can't do a frontal attack with the guy so he has to go through the back door through the wife and the wife can use her appeal to him to get him to do what she wants him to do but she's being controlled by Satan. Who bit the apple? Adam did. After what? Who offered the apple to Adam? She did. And he took, and he ate, right? Oh, boy, you're really going there, man. Um, you really want to bring that one out? You're, you're going to be sleeping on the couch after that one. Because um, you know what Job's wife did to him. Right. Curse God and die. Right. She said she had already given up on God and she told Job to give up on God. And um, she um, she wasn't very helpful in that situation at all. She had already got twisted off and she was a twisted sister, man. Um, She was she was messed up. And again, if you look, I'm glad, you know, maybe you brought out that point because of this, because look what she did. She tried to tempt him to curse God. Right. And he wouldn't do it, but she she at least would try. And uh, and so in your own home, this is how the game will be played. The 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 wife will get hit and then it will bring it up to the man. Satan can't go. He doesn't go straight to the man. He goes to the man through the wife. He has to hide behind the wife. Why is that ingenious? Because it disarms the man, if a man knows he's dealing with a demon don't with a fallen angel, the dukes are up, right? He's ready for the fight, okay, but Satan doesn't play that game; he doesn't gonna do a frontal attack, he doesn't want that because he knows the man will resist, so I'll go through the woman and the woman he will drop his guard to his wife, he will drop his guard to his girlfriend, he will drop everything for her and try to please her when he doesn't even realize I'm using her against him. You think it doesn't happen? Oh my goodness. It happens all the time. We got guys that can't do ministry because their wives hold them back because their wives need them at home, apparently. And I want to say, Hey man, when are you going to become a man? And serve Jesus instead of serving your wife it is a real deal guys and and I'm telling you what I've seen too many guys become slaves to their home I get it that you have to have your responsibilities at home I'm not saying neglect your responsibilities at home but at what point do you serve Jesus at what point because if you're just, well, i gotta, I got to go to the store. i got to do this. i got to do that. I have no time to teach your Bible to that, and You have all these gifts and talents that the Lord has given you, and you're squandering them because if I go home and say no to her, it's a bad night. Can you verify that? You can verify. It's not me. It's not me. Anybody on our staff can verify this. We have people that we would love to use, guys, that would be great, but their wives hold them back. Totally. It is, do I I ever, let me ask you this, you've been in 20-something years of ministry, Phil back there, 37 years of ministry, some of these old-timers, okay? I'm one of them. I'm one of the old-timers, okay, that's been in ministry for a while. Have you ever seen it the other way, that the guy holds back the girl? Phil, have you ever seen a girl? No, a guy hold back a girl from serving. <laughs> 20, 21 years of ministry, I've never seen a guy say, No, honey, you stay home with me. I need you here with me. I, I, need, I, I need to be heard. I need to be loved and affectioned. And, and I, you just can't go out running around with the boys at the Bible study. You can't do that on me. I don't want you to grow. I want you to stay here and minister to me. I'm your mission field, baby. I've never heard a guy do that. But you, me, Phil, we can all attest That it's always the opposite. You're running around too much doing this God thing, you know. I need you here. You're holding the guy back. Let him serve Jesus. He's going to get rewarded for that. Who wouldn't want a guy who serves? I don't get it. I don't get it. Who's that? Lot? Bill of Assault. Well, anyway, I say that because on a, on a, on a level, on a, a practical level, guys, um, the prince of this world who controls the cosmos, that's his strategy towards derailing guys. Is that's how he'll work. And so he's figured it out. Anyway, we, the system works brilliantly. It actually does work. It works on unbelievers like there's no tomorrow and it works on believers as well and you think wow it's a pretty effective system yeah and he's not gonna reinvent it he just keeps doing it over and over and over again anyway any questions or comments before we take a break I got to get get you guys a a break y'all good all right oh go back there one one real quick real quick question when you were mentioning that um, the people that are You know, running things down all the time, I totally agree, like the mayors and the governors and usually of democratic... They destroy everything. They destroy everything. What about a lot of the billionaires, uh, you don't see, like Hobby Lobby, there's a good one, right? Most of the billionaires seem to be like, uh, let me give you some examples. Let's say Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's say uh, Google, you know, Larry Page, Sergey Brin. These guys seem to be possessed, and they seem like they created the search engine, and they've created... All kinds of tracking mechanisms. There's a lot of things they've done, and lot, why is it that we see those guys creating things? I know because most of them they're, they're, people they're, are destroying things, but do some of them create things? It's for malevolent reasons, not benevolent. They they try to pretend that it's benevolent, but at the end of the day, John, you know it's about control. And so, control. What does control do? Destroys. So at the end of the day, they create systems that actually bring destruction on people.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Anchor Bible Study Podcast. We hope that this lesson is a blessing to you and helps grow you towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. Rock Harbor Church has another podcast called Anchor Sunday Sermons, and it's filled with past and present messages in Revelation, Genesis, and Exodus. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear it, please check the description of this episode or search your favorite podcast streaming services for The Anchor Sunday Sermons. Support for both of our podcasts comes from your generous gifts and donations. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website, rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws nearer.